following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Lord, y'all look good tonight. Do you know this is July? Has anybody told y'all this is July? And you're supposed to stay home and have your feet propped up and eating bluebell and you ever heard about that new flavor of blue bell called Lickety Split? <laughs> Boy, that blue bell can't stay out of trouble, can they? <laughs> wow. You know, it's so good. It's, it's so good that sometimes you want to lift that lid of that carton and just have a big old spoon in your pocket and just eat a little bit and say, God, forgive me for this, for I know not what I do. Uh, Lord Jesus, help us. Somebody wrote me that the other day and said, it took me a little while to figure it out. You guys are smarter than I am. You're quicker. But I'm happy to see you here tonight. It's an honor. Brother Ted, if you'll come and get this, this probably will bother me because I think it's some kind of human standing over here. <laughs> real, real skinny. Amen. Got a little neck that pokes out like that. <laughs> I'm happy to see all of you tonight, and it is an honor. We're, we're starting a brand new series tonight. And I hope that you'll get hooked in. Uh, we're starting a three-part series, and then it's going to be culminated on the 31st. We're having a night of worship here with Mac Brock. And it's going to be an awesome night, and we're excited about that. So, you know, this is, this is something that I enjoy preaching, I enjoy talking about, I enjoy teaching. And I don't know if I'll teach or preach or maybe just treat you a little bit here tonight. But I want to talk about tonight a subject called true worship. We're going to talk about true worship. True worship. Everybody say true worship. true worship. Now, if there's a true worship, there's got to be a false worship. And so we're going to talk about worship in the next three weeks, and I trust that you'll make plans to be here tonight when I watched you just keep coming in, just keep coming in. And the carts were full, not half full. Every cart was full coming up. I said, Lord, these people are just precious. And I want to brag on you. I want to tell you how happy I am to see you in God's house tonight on this Wednesday night. July the 10th, 2019. God bless you. I, uh, I, was, I was looking through some stuff not long ago and I found something I want to share with you before I start teaching. You know, Hollywood's known for producing these tough guys like Clint Eastwood and, you know, and, uh, and, and, and like, like the old boy named Arnold Schwarzenegger and Rambo and all that. You know, Clint Eastwood always, when he played Dirty Harry, he, he said this line, you feeling lucky, punk? And then he would say, make my day. What he was saying was, try to shoot me because I'm invincible. Make my day. And then Arnold Schwarzenegger said, I'll be back. <laughs> you know, we have a little lady in this church whose grandson will be the Terminator in Terminator 6 or 7 or 8, whichever one they're fixing to make. And I told her the other day, I'm not going to identify her, but I told her the other day, I said, I'll take you to the premiere and, and, and just be with you. She said, oh, I'll be in California, Pastor, for the premiere. <laughs> Go on. Get on out of here. And Rambo, you know, tears his arm up and he pulls a needle out and thread and sews his own arm up without any kind of, you know, any kind of Novocaine or anything. He's just tough. But one of the tough guys that I want to talk about a little bit tonight before I start teaching is a man named Chuck Norris. There's nobody like Chuck. Chuck Norris is tough. Now, he, he had a series of martial arts movies, and then he caught on in 1993 when he came out with this show called Walker. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got to tell you, I watched it. 
And when Chuck met a problem in Walker, Texas Ranger, he solved it with a roundhouse kick to the face, slap. That solved the problem. And, 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 and so I read some of this stuff. You can look him up. You can look it up and you can find some of this. He became an internet phenomenon, phenom. And you go on the internet and you'll see some of the things that I have just read. Here's what I came across. What can Chuck Norris not do? <laughs> Chuck Norris can build a snowman out of rain. <laughs> Chuck Norris can strangle with a cordless phone. <laughs> Chuck Norris can drown a fish. I like these. Chuck Norris can divide by zero. <laughs> Chuck Norris can make onions cry. <laughs> Chuck Norris can sit down on a computer and delete the recycling bin. <laughs> Chuck Norris can play the violin with a piano. <laughs> Chuck Norris can do a wheelie on a unicycle. And when Chuck, Nor Chuck Norris looks in the mirror, the mirror shatters because not even glass is stupid enough to get between Chuck Norris and Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris's calendar goes straight from March 31st to April 2nd because no one fools with Chuck Norris. I love those. I thought you'd like them on Wednesday night. That's just, that don't have anything to do with the sermon. I just thought you'd like that. Would well, you stand to your feet? You're awesome people, and I love you very, very much, and I won't be lengthy, I promise. John 4 says, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Everybody say true, true. Worship. worship. My subject for the next three Wednesday nights. You may be seated. For the next three Wednesdays, I'll teach on this thesis that I've just announced. So if there is true worship, folks, there must be false worship. You know, there's an accumulating body of evidence that shows scientists have discovered that we human beings enter this world pre-wired for music. And so we're wired for worship because we're pre-wired for music. And in my studies, I researched psychologists who studied the formation of civilizations around the world. And they zeroed in on the aborigines of Australia. They were African people that settled in Australia. Now, this is stunning. This is real stunning. And what doctors discovered was that when coming into a civilized people, a first it was realizing that they needed something to worship. Every civilization that becomes civilized understands we need something to worship because we're made for that. And everyone in the community was compared to some animal in this Aborigines colony. Like if a man was brilliant, they called him perhaps an owl. If a horse, if a man had strength, they'd call him a horse. If a, if a man was stubborn or a woman was stubborn, they'd call them a mule. If a man was kind, they would use the word dove. And if a man had speed, they would use the word deer. And if a man had cunningness, they would use the word fox. And the animal that a certain person was compared to became their worship animal. They worshiped what they were called. Are you with me? They became worshipful to their own namesake animal. Hence, psychologists discovered and said, in essence, they became worshipers of themselves. Because what they were called is what they worship. See, every person is wired for worship. You will worship something. And tonight, I will teach you on true worship. This church is known for great praise. Can you say amen to that? 
But what about true worship? We have always prided ourselves on being a people of praise. We've not always lived our lives, perhaps, as true worshipers. See, praise is referred to in the Bible as a garment. We're told to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And anything you can put on, you can take off. There's not a lot of commitment required for praise. I'm sorry to tell you this. You can shout out loud. You can dance in the spirit. Then you can walk out of here and hang your garment up and go back to your sinful habits. In fact, you don't have to be anything more than a rock to cry out to God in praise. But worship, on the other hand, is costly. It requires much commitment. It requires tremendous effort. Praise is a garment. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is an attitude. Worship is an occupation. It's an occupation. You can praise God and still go back to a life of sin, but when you worship, your sins are revealed and you want to change from what you are to what God wants you to be. Say amen to that. After being in a true worship atmosphere, Isaiah cried out in six. He said, woe is me, I am ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Mm. Praise will make you feel good. Praise will help you fight your battles. Praise is biblical. Praise is right. But worship is costly. Worship makes you want to change. Worship gives no guarantee of making you feel good. The attitude behind praise is, thanks, Lord, for what you've done. You've blessed me. The attitude behind worship is, you are worthy, Lord. You're worthy. No matter what you have done or what happens in my life and what this costs me, you are worthy of everything that I can give you in my worship today. Abraham had a spirit of true worship. He was a true worshiper. He took Isaac, Genesis 22, his promised son, and placed firewood on his back and told the servants, you stay here. He said, the lad and I are going yonder, not to praise, but we're going to worship. We're going to worship. This, all, this church must always, always be a place of worship. Say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. It's our way. It's our belief. It's our tradition. We must be worshipers in the kingdom of God. But no tradition has guaranteed results. It really doesn't. Ask the University of Texas. No tradition has any guaranteed results. God, I hope they do better this year than they have been doing. I'd like to see an undefeated season and Sam Ellinger win the Heisman Trophy and we win a national title and I can preach about it. They've got the tradition, but it doesn't give guaranteed results. Hear this, the barrenness of holy habit unaccompanied by holy fire is a threat to all of us. We must have the fire of God. Jesus addressed a group of people in Matthew 15. He said, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Arthur Pink is a Christian author, and he wrote about people who do not worship. He said, they bring their bodies to the house of prayer, but they never bring their souls. They worship with their mouths, but not in spirit and not in truth. They boast of their orthodoxy, but they disregard the precepts of Jesus Christ. See, the function of worship without fire in the worship prevents the release of fragrance in the worship. Let me say it again. The function of worship without fire in it prevents the release of fragrance. See, the incense of the soul is trapped inside until you open it up and said, I will worship you with all that I am. 
And when that happens, the incense starts flowing out and there's a beautiful odor and a smell in the house of God. There's nothing like worship in God's house. Come on, lift your hands and say amen to that. Amen. And where, where neither God nor man can experience his fullness and beauty is when the incense is trapped. So what is worship? William Temple said, to worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God. He said to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, and to open the heart to the love of God, and to devote the will for the purpose of God. Worship is not a human invention. It is a divine offering. We don't invent worship. We offer worship. Revelation chapter 5, when we worship, we are declaring God's worth. There's an Old Testament word, a Hebrew word called kabod. Kabod is translated glory. Everybody say glory. glory. That's what we need in our house in this hour. We need the glory of God. Come on. Come on, we need the glory of God in our house. We need the glory of God. And the glory means God honor is weighty, weighty. God honor is weighty. Isaiah 6 and 3 said his glory fills the whole earth. Folks, that's some weighty glory. It fills the whole earth. The New Testament term daka or daka is glory, the same word, and God is worthy of that honor. In other words, I don't care how weighty God's, God's glory is, it's worthy of that honor. We owe him that honor. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. You can't open your mouth and worship him enough to stop and say, I'm done. Because his glory fills the whole earth. There's nothing that he doesn't feel. There's nothing that he doesn't reside over. There's nothing that he can't do in your life. And somebody says, you know, I'm tired of worshiping. No, you're just getting started. You need to open your mouth again and say, I will worship you. I will worship you. I will worship your name. I will worship your power. I will worship your awesomeness. I will worship everything about you. It doesn't matter if everything goes against me. I will be a true worshiper. Worship is as natural for man as it is for him to breathe. Worship is to a Christian what an engine is to a car. It's absolutely an indispensable part of a Christian life. I love the chorus that goes, this is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. This is my daily bread. Your very word spoken to me and I... I, I'm desperate for you. Can I just stop and say, worship is an act of honoring God because of his great worthiness to be honored. I want you to stop right now. I don't care if you've had the worst day in your life today. Our Sunday and Monday and Tuesday was bad. <laughs> I want you to raise your head and lift your voice and tell him how worthy he is in your life. Come on. Tell him how worthy he is in your life. Come on, say it right now. Come on, we're going to worship him tonight. We're going to worship him tonight. He's worthy. Come on, he's worthy. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our love. He's worthy of our commitment. He's worthy of our honor. His honor is worthy of our honor. We owe it to him. But pastor, it hadn't been a good day. It doesn't matter. We don't worship because of what he's done. We worship because of who he is. Ah, ha, ha. Ah, ha, 
Hallelujah. Somebody worship the Lord with me. Come on, let's magnify him together. Oh, hallelujah. So there's three things I want to bring to you, and I'm just going to get started real good after I do this. I won't be long, though. Everybody say, worship is celebration. So what do we celebrate, Pastor? Well, we celebrate God's creation. We celebrate God's provision. Well, he hadn't provided. No, we don't celebrate what he's, we celebrate his provision. (laughs) We celebrate his covenant. We celebrate his redemption. Well, my kids are not saved. We celebrate his redemption. Come on now. We celebrate the victory on the cross. Well, I hadn't been healed. We celebrate the victory on the cross. It don't matter where you are. Come on, we celebrate that. That's what worship is. We celebrate his resurrection. Well, I've been in the valley, but we celebrate resurrection. We celebrate his defeat of Satan. Hallelujah. He chucked Norris' Satan every day. We celebrate the defeat of sin. We celebrate the power of the Holy Ghost. It is simply practicing his presence. In other words, everything that he has done or has done for us, for us, for our salvation, healing, provision, light, sound, system, whatever, we celebrate that. That's worship. Well, I'm in a bad place. I don't care. Yes, I do care, but I don't care. We worship him in spite of. We worship him because of. And number two, worship is dialogue. Say dialogue. Dialogue. It's revelation and response. Moses hid his face when God talked in Exodus 3. John fell as a dead man when he saw him in Revelation. When Isaiah saw him, he declared, I'm a man of unclean lips. And when God spoke to Daniel, he fell into a deep sleep. (laughs) Then God touched him and he got up. This God that we worship, folks, is awesome. He's awesome. So everybody say, we celebrate. We dialogue. And the third thing worship is, is offering. Everybody say, it's an offering. It's not to receive from God. It's to make offerings to God. We live in a give me society. I want that to settle. God, give me. God, I need. God, I need. We have a need society. We have a need society that we're living in. Sometime we just need to back up and say, I'm going to make an offering to you. In the Old Testament, people offered sacrifices. That was their worship. It was always with the sacrifice. Giving, don't get quiet on me now, is the central theme of worship in the New Testament and the Old Testament. Giving. Worship is offering our total selves to God. In Romans 12, Paul said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know what, folks? If you would quit whining, like Dr. Phil said, you want a little cheese with that wine? If you'd quit whining on God and start worshiping God, you'd start stepping higher. You'd start stepping greater. 
You'd start walking through this world with a confidence that you never dreamed possible. It's time for this church to turn our praise into worship and start offering sacrifice of praise to him. Come on now, come on now. There's some people in this house that ask us to pray for all kinds of things in their life. You know, pray for this, pray for that. A lot of things are financial help. And Brother Ted and Sister Lawana helped so much on Tuesdays with us with financial peace. But I want to declare to you, if you're not tithing, it's hard to pray for God to bless you financially. I said it. I went ahead and said it. It's time for you to get on the offense and say, Lord, I may be as broke as Job's turkey, but I'm gonna worship you and I believe that you're gonna provide for us and you're gonna make our daily bread, our daily bread, and we're gonna bless the kingdom of God and we're gonna honor you with our substance. David said, a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart you will not despise. How long has it been since you've had a broken heart and a broken and a contrite spirit in the presence of God? Please don't leave. Please don't leave. This is going to get better. There are different kinds of worship. There's emotional worship. I enjoy that. I like to throw down. <laughs> I love it. I love to throw down. <laughs> Used to when I was a young man, I couldn't hardly preach without stopping and just saying hallelujah and get, doing a little dance and yeah. throw a few kisses. And I loved preaching when I was a kid. Still do. And then there's intellectual worship. I love intellectual worship. There's traditional worship. Some people get a hold of that. They love to sing Rock of Ages. Some people love contemporary music, and they have contemporary worship. There's high church style, <laughs> and there's low church style. But I will tell you, I'm not interested in your style. I'm not interested in your style. I just believe God is into substance. And God is just seeking worshipers. Worshippers, is anybody a worshiper in the house here tonight? Can anybody say with Job that though you slay me, yet will I trust you? And though the skin worm destroy my body, yet in my flesh I will see God and I'll see him for myself and not for another. I know my Redeemer lives. You know, there, there's actually people who worship crawling creatures in this world today. In a museum in Egypt, there's a monument to the scarab beetle. And they make, they make all kinds of jewelry with those, with those little beetles. The Philistines actually worshiped flies. Hindus today won't swat a fly because it might be an ancestor of theirs paying for their wrongs. <laughs> That's a fact. That's what they believe. Today, you'll see that 330 million gods of the Hindus, eight gods for every person. In China, a Buddhist statue actually fell on a man and his family, and the family sued the Buddhas in the temple. And the statue was found guilty, and it and 14 other statues were actually beheaded. <laughs> Folks, that's what people are worshiping in this world. They beheaded 14 statues because one of them fell on a man. Idolatry rules the world. America has idols. I declare that Christian life, Austin, doesn't have an idol in our life. We have a risen Savior. Oh, honey. come on. I'm about to get young again. We have a risen Savior. And we're going to worship him. Donald Whitley said 
in his book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. He said, we emulate what we think about. <laughs> Children pretend that they are, uh, they are the heroes they dream about. And teenagers dress like sports stars or popular musicians they devote so much attention to. He said, but these tendencies don't disappear when we become adults. Those who concentrate on making it to the top read books of those who are at the top and then copy their business style and personal habits. He went on to say, watch this now, that what we worship is what we try to become. Did I just say that the original tribe of Aborigines in Australia worshiped what they were named for? And it's still in the world today. It kind of sounds like the Aborigines. Here's what I want to tell you, folks. This church, this church is being blessed by God. I'm not worried about other churches. I just know that God has called me to this place. And there's an anointing on this church. And his lines have fallen to us in pleasant places. And God is with Christian Life Austin. And we're just beginning to see what God has for us. There's a massive revival happening. And we're going to be right in the middle of it. We're going to be right in the middle of it. And you're going to find me standing here. Said I will worship you from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. I worship you. This church should be the joy distributor of all of Austin. Hallelujah. I'm sorry I'm getting beside myself. Forgive me. You know, when Ben and Jerry's ice cream was created, there's two college dropouts that created it, and they sent away for a $5 mail order course on ice cream making in few short years ago, they were the third largest gourmet ice cream maker in the world. They grew with a $5 how to do it from a mail order catalog. But the company lost its fun. As they began to assess their company, they determined that they were not in business to sell ice cream, but they were in business to create joy. <laughs> Realizing their purpose, they hired a director of joy for the company. I'm looking for a director of joy. I want somebody to be around here. Well, I think I'll nominate myself. I want somebody around here that's always happy because God's always good. I want somebody to walk in here that says, you know what, I might have had a bad day, but I got a greater God than my day was. I want somebody walking in here and say, you know what, my wife messed up dinner, but she's still a great wife, hallelujah. We went to Taco Bell and everything's all right. I want people to walk in this house with a big old smile on your face saying I may not have enough money to pay my bills but I will worship the God of glory in this house tonight and I will walk out of here confident of this one thing that he has begun a work in me is able to complete that that he has started. I gotta hurry, I gotta hurry. I got to hurry. So they hired a director of joy, fun activities, rock and roll music heard in the assembly line. They set aside 7.5% pre-tax for charities, festivals, special causes. And when Black Monday came several years ago, they were on the sidewalk giving away free ice cream. You know what it was called? Economic crunch ice cream. <laughs> Saturday, Saturday, this church is going to bring some joy to some people. Saturday. We're going to serve our city. 
just giving away a bottle of water and a smile, just making some meals over there for some kids in Rwanda. We're going to have some joy around here. I think CLC ought to be the joy distributor of all of Austin. Erwin Lutz said, Lutzer said, churches that are experiencing growth have exalting worship to God and have learned the importance of worship. The chief end of a man is to glorify God and whatever you need to do, worship the Lord. Miriam composed songs and sang them. Mary sang when she realized she was having the Christ child. David danced in front of the ark. Wise men brought gifts. And when Peter and John healed the lame man in Acts 3, he leaped and praised God into the temple. Paul told Timothy that he wanted every man everywhere to lift up holy hands without wrath or doubt. Mary, a friend of Jesus, washed his feet with costly oil and dried it with her hair. The early church had the Lord's Supper together. The book of Revelation, full of times where people fell down. One man said it so well, said, I can safely say on the authority of the word of God that any man or woman on this earth who is bored or turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. <laughs> Punch your neighbor and say, you don't go to heaven? We're not going to sit over there by the river of life and just read books. We're going to go around the throne and we're going to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on now. Come on. God walks through doors purposely open for him. 32% of Americans have never felt the presence of God. Folks, there's nothing like his presence. There's nothing like his presence. There's nothing like it. And now the text, and I will close. Notice the dialogue, John 4, between Jesus and this woman of Sychar. The first thing Jesus said to her was, give me to drink. She, she had never met him. He was a Jew. She was a Samaritan. They'd never been formally introduced, yet Jesus said, give me to drink. Point. Even if you've never met him, he asked all men for a drink. A gift of worship needs to come from you to him, even if you've never met him. He asked for a drink. Give me to drink. She said, how is it you being a Jew asked me a Samaritan to give you a drink? He said to her, if you knew the gift of God. And who it was that spoke to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The conversation continues. She tells him that the well is deep and he has nothing to draw with. And Jesus said, whoever drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them shall never. And then this marriage thing comes up. And then this mountain thing comes up. And then this Jerusalem thing comes up. And Jesus said, woman. Now watch this now. The hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. Then Jesus said it. The hour comes and now is that the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. I may be, break, I may be making this bigger than it needs to be, but I'm going to make it big for you right now before I let you go. Jesus did not say a generation is coming. He didn't say a century is coming. He didn't say a decade is coming. He didn't even refer to a year or a month or a day. But he said the hour is coming. God broke worship down to 60 minute time slot. He was saying, I don't need you going a day without worship, a week, a month, a year, but every hour. I need you to put some worship on your lips. 
This is not once a year. This is not once an Easter. This is not once a Christmas. It's every hour. You need to lift up your mouth and say, I worship you. In fact, he said, pray without ceasing. Rejoice evermore and everything give thanks. You hear me tonight. You hear me. It's not hard to just stop and say, Jesus, I think you're cool. I do it all the time. He says, you need, to, you need to change your language to me, son. And I said, no, I like saying that to you, Jesus, because I think you're all right. And I love you and I worship you with all my heart. He said, I just tease it. <laughs> worship is so wonderful. Worship's so wonderful. He said, every hour a person's going to be worshiping me. It's not about a mountain. It's not about Jerusalem. It's not about COC in the house. It's about getting up in the morning. When you open your eyes, you're looking straight up and say, I worship you, Lord. How long does that take? Three seconds? I worship you, Lord. Get in your car and turn on some good music. If you're old-timey, turn on that old-timey music. If you're contemporary, turn on that. If you like rap, turn it on. It won't be in my car. <laughs> but I don't mind you listening to it as long as you can worship Almighty God. Come on, let's worship Him. It's about an hour with Him. It's about an hour with Him. And when the Lord spoke of his return in Matthew 24, he said, in the hour you think not. Not the day, not the month, not the, in the hour you think not the Son of Man is coming. So if he broke worship down to an hour, there's an hour coming when he's coming. Wouldn't it be cool if you just had something come off your lips? I worship you, Lord. Zip, I'm out of here. <laughs> Don't wait till Sunday to do this. Don't wait till Wednesday night to do this. Let it be a part of your life. Come on, let worship be a part of your life every day. Come on, let's go. Let's roll. Let's roll. Come on, let's do this. Let worship be a part of your life every day. Every day, every day, every day. It's an awesome thing to worship him. It's an awesome thing to worship him. Randy, if you'll help me, I appreciate it. I've gone long enough. It's 832. The second thing I see in this scripture is spirit and truth is a little S and a little T. Because it's not the Holy Spirit. It's a man's spirit. It's not a big S and it's not a big T. And that not a big letter T but a man's conviction, a man's principles, a man's edict, a man's integrity. That's what it's about. So my spirit and my integrity are going to worship him. Amen. We're going to worship him in spirit and in truth. The third thing I see in this scripture, and this is, I'm, this is my closing remarks. True worshipers will worship. Everybody say true worshipers will worship. They will. This is not an affirmative action. It's a determined action. It's a determined action. Satan stated seven I wills and he got kicked out of heaven. Jesus is saying, I have people on this earth that will. Everybody say, I will. I will. He's saying, simply throw the sink at them, devil. They still will. Send tribulation, they still will. Put them in prison, they still will. Tell them they have sinned, they still will. You know, scientists have proven that every flake of snow has a particle of dust in it, but it's still snow. Did you miss that? Did you get it? Don't let hell take your worship because he said you're not worthy to worship. You got a little dirt in you. No, 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 you worship. Come on, worship him. Be a true worshiper. Let death come to the family. Somewhere in the hour, they will still worship me. Let disease come. They will still worship me. One of our dear sisters has just been diagnosed with cancer. 
just being diagnosed, a faithful child of God. I want her to know tonight that I'm speaking on her behalf. It doesn't matter what comes into your body. Lift up your voice and still worship the God of heaven. Worship. Nothing will stop them. Nothing will hold them back. God is saying they will, they will, they will. I got to tell this story. John McCain tells a beautiful story about being in Hanover Hilton and you know, he was persecuted. Like him or loathe him, John McCain was a hero in the war. And, 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 and there was a man that he was in prison with there that was named Mark Christian. And Mark was a, a devoted American, a devoted American. And somebody had sent him some red thread, some white thread, some blue thread. And inside his blue shirt that the Vietnamese had given him, he had, he had sewn an American flag. That's cool. And every night he would take off his shirt and put it on the hanger, wrong side out, and that flag would shine and they would salute that flag and do, do, the, do the pledge. And one night the Vietnamese walked in and caught him and saw that shirt said, whose shirt is this? And Mark said, it's mine, sir. And they took him outside and they beat him unmercifully. They beat him till he was unconscious. And John McCain said, we were all standing around, said it was the hardest thing we ever did in our life because we knew if we did anything, we'd all die. I think they broke a leg. They tried to, they tried to bash out his eyes. They tried hard to hurt him so he'd never be right again. And then they took his shirt and made a bonfire and put his shirt in that fire and said, this is your America. And when they got through, the men drug him back into the cell and about two hours later, he was coming around a little bit. And he put him over in a corner and there's a little 15-watt bulb. Senator McCain said, a little 15-watt bulb. And they threw him a new shirt, or another shirt, not a new one, but another one. He said he reached in his pocket and he pulled out some white thread and some red thread and some blue thread. And that night while he said the rest of us slept, he sewed another flag inside of his new shirt. And the next morning he said, guys, they can't beat it out of me. I am an American and I will die for America. You hear me. You hold yourself with Jesus Christ and you look the devil right in the eye and say, whatever, 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 whatever. And I've been in that whatever in my life, but whatever, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. And I wear this worship. I wear it, I wear it, I wear it, I wear it. Come on, I wear it. This is who I am. Stand to your feet all over the building and magnify the Lord. Stand to your feet all over the building and magnify him tonight. Hallelujah. Our God reigns. Hallelujah. Sin is defeated. Hallelujah. Satan has fallen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is sovereign in our world. A little boy had lost his mother and his dad about a month later promised him a picnic on Saturday. And the little boy was so excited because his daddy was taking him on a picnic and he went into his room several times that night. He said, Daddy, is it morning yet? And the daddy said, No, go back to sleep, son. 
And finally, early in the morning, he came to his dad. He said, Dad, I know it's not light outside, but I want to thank you for tomorrow. Thank you for tomorrow. And I think we need to lift our hands all over this house tonight. And whatever we have come across today, or Monday or Sunday, we need to throw our hands in the air and say, Father, thank you for tomorrow. Come on, lift your hands all over the house. And let's say it. Come on, say it with your own mouth. Thank you for tomorrow. It's going to be all right. You got your hand on my life. You're walking with me. And I will worship you from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. I will worship you. I will praise you. I will love you. I am in love with you. There's nobody like you. There is nobody like you. Come on, come on. This is who we are. This is what we're about. You don't surrender this when you walk outside. You don't hang it up like you hang up a garment of praise. This worship stays with you. Come on, all over the house, lift your voice and say, I worship you, Father. Come on, I worship you in spirit and in truth. My spirit loves you. My, my whole being loves you tonight. I love who you are and I love what you are. And I thank you because you love me. 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 Forgive me tonight. Forgive me. But I cannot preach about worship without remembering. I'm not going to talk anymore, but I remember what worship did for me. I remember what worship did for me. Some things you just can't praise your way through. You have to offer a sacrifice of worship to him. You have to give something back when you're not getting something from him. It's called true worship. It's not gonna be in Jerusalem, it won't be in the mountain, but it'll be in my spirit and with truth. Bow your heads and throw your hands in the air. Father, I love you tonight and I thank you for these precious people. And Lord, we've kicked off a night of worship. We've kicked off a series on worship. And God, we're gonna take this to another level and to another level because Lord, you want us to be true worshipers. You want us to be true, true worshipers in the kingdom of God. Now Lord, I honor you tonight. I honor you tonight with all that I am. This is what I am. This is who I am. This is what I bring to the table to you. And I honor you tonight. Thank you for our lovely staff. Thank you for everybody, all of our volunteers. Thank you for the people that's going to be here on Saturday. Thank you for the folks that's going to show up on Sunday at 9, 10, 30, and noon. Thank you for that. Thank you for this New Life Africa group, God, thank you for them. Thank you that we're gonna be able to bless that, that beautiful country of Rwanda. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that. We honor you tonight. We honor you. God, you provide your provision and we celebrate your provision. We celebrate everything you are. We celebrate everything you are. In Jesus' name, turn to somebody and say to them, say to them, I will not hang this up when I walk out of here. I'm gonna wear this. Come on, I'm gonna wear this. I'm gonna wear this. This is my this is my occupation. I'm gonna be a worshiper. Know that I love you. I'm sorry I kept you to 840. God bless you. I'm five minutes over. I love you. Have a great, great night. I'll see you Sunday. We'll see you Saturday. I'll be here bright and early. I'm over packing groceries with you. God bless. You're awesome people. I love you.